Welcome to Poets and Writers. This is Henry McCarthy, and we're on the road today. We're really on the road. We're over in Black Mountain, North Carolina, and I'm talking with a special guest, Shelley Fromm. Am I pronouncing your last name correctly? Yes, that's great. Okay. And we are here in Black Mountain. Shelley is a fine writer. He's been on the show before, has an interesting background, drama teacher, actor, and a mystery writer. So, Shelley, as we like to ask, where are you from? Oh, good grief. Well, when I was a little kid, when I started in, in a little town in Massachusetts, then uh, in the middle of the night, without any warning at all, my mother packed us up, me and my sister, and then I wound up on, uh, in Miami. This is a long story, so I'm sure. not going to give you this whole story. It was, it was kind of funny, because I'd never been to Miami before. Right. And anything, and... Uh, I looked at, I think it was a bungalow or something, and there was a, a parrot that was chirping on on a stand. And I looked to the left, and it said Royal Palm Ice Company, and there were these coconut palms. And I thought, wow, that's wild. And I turned my head to the right, and there were the real coconut palms. So... The image and reality just came together, so I so, so you I were, grew up in Miami. You were living in the north, and your mother something happened. Your yeah, well, my they, father passed away. Okay, and, and I I, uh, I never knew him. He was when I was three years old. He passed away. So uh, so she was staying up there doing something with property or something. And before I knew it, <laughs> eight years old, I wound up in Miami. Yeah, and people. Uh, were worried about their suntan. I, I thought this is really strange. And yeah. somebody walked over to me and said, uh, "Kid, I hate to tell you, but I think you're losing your tan. I don't think you even had one." And, oh my goodness! I didn't have a tan. What does that mean? Because up in you know when in, in, in Massachusetts, uh, I never met anybody who had a tan. So you landed in Miami, then you went on and you graduated, then you went into drama and you became a drama teacher. I'm filling this in for the audience as we move along. Yeah, well, I, um, I changed my major in my junior year and uh, somebody just said, come on over with me and, and there's a tryout for a play. It was called Juno and the Paycock and I had never acted before. And he said... Um, Kid, just come with me, and I'll show you how it's done. And he didn't get a part, and I did. And, and what was the title of the it's play? It's called Juno and the Peacock. It's a it's an Irish play. It's an Irish pronunciation of peacock. Oh my goodness! Well, that's by nice. Sean O'Casey's. Uh huh. Then I graduated. I didn't know what I was going to do, and they kept telling me I should go to law school. So I went to law school, but I wanted to get away so I could think. So I went away to the University of Arizona. And um, the entire freshman class took up a collection to send me to Greenwich Village because I kept trying to make law interesting. And, okay. they, they, couldn't, <laughs> and they couldn't stand that. And yeah. they couldn't stand it. Because, you know, I'd say it's, yeah. it's a dark and stormy night. And they said, no, yeah. just the rule of law. Yeah, just, just the, the rule, rule of law. law. Next question yeah, of that, law. Yeah, yeah. right. And, uh, and I thought it was going to be like a Spencer Tracy movie <laughs> and stuff. But it was So how long did you last in law school then? Uh, well, I tried it once in Miami, and yeah. I, did, I didn't like that either. So, so I thought, I could, then I went to University of Arizona. So, did you graduate? 
No, no. It, was, it was, it was, I, I took them up yeah. on it because. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can identify. I went to law school for three weeks one time. And I went up and asked the professor, what else were we going to do besides the question of law? And they said, we're going to be doing that for two and a half years till you hit the clinic. And Patty and I got in our Volkswagen camper and went back west. You didn't know we had that in common, did you? No, I know I didn't. <laughs> so you landed. They, they drove them crazy. And they, I remember it was a barbecue out in Tucson. They said, you're going to cut that out. You're going to cut that out. Try to make law interesting. You're ruining everything. You're so, ruining everything. So then you went to Greenwich Village, did then you? Then I went to Greenwich Village, and, and I was an actor for about two two years but so you hung out in Greenwich Village this was in the 50s or 60s yeah, it's the late late 50s yeah my gosh there were some great people hanging out in Greenwich Village all through there you know yeah Jack Kerouac yeah. the whole game Kerouac and, and the Beats and uh, yeah and all, all yeah, that stuff yeah. and it was just it was just amazing now Leonard Cohen hadn't gotten there yet right Leonard I don't Cohen? know yeah. I didn't know who we were all right there you go <laughs> And yeah. Patty Smith and all that group, Bob Dylan and one thing and another, Sam Shepard, so forth. Yeah, I think that was yeah. right around the corner. But so, uh, so you were there a couple years then. Yeah, but I kept drawing the line. I uh, I had a friend by the name of Joan Malinsky who changed her name to Joan Rivers. And, oh, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, last time I saw her, I said, uh, Joan, you're a native New Yorker, and your name is Molinsky, and you stole our agent's name, Tony Rivers, who's a Native American. How did he take the news? And she said, he hates me, hates my guts. Then she gave me her book, which is called I Hate Everybody. Well, Joan Rivers, what a fantastic personality and talent. She was and is. She passed away a number of years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a couple of years ago. But yeah. she... Uh, she would never draw the line. I kept drawing the line. I had something called scruples, and she had no scruples. <laughs> no scruples well, at all. She and fell she, out with Johnny Carson over that. You yeah, know, he never forgave well, uh, I, I remember once um, she said she, she somehow hooked up with some famous agent or something like that. His name was Archer Winston. I still remember his name. I don't know why. So I went with her, and all of a sudden there was this screaming and yelling behind the door and, and clobbering, I don't know what. She came out and her hair was hanging in front of her eyes. Her blouse was ripped. She was crying. Wow. And she said, no worries, Shelley. I got us a reading. Wow. And I said, I don't want to do this. I yeah. Don't, I don't, but she would do anything. She would, she would put on a pair of diapers and jump off the Empire State Building if it meant, yeah. you know, getting a... Well, this was in the early years. Did you see her after that on yeah, the I road? Yeah, I saw... That's, that's, that's the last time I saw her. She was yeah. having a book signing. Okay. And I, uh, she gave me her book called I Hate Everybody. Yeah, she remembered you, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, she, yeah. You know, and I gave her my book on the actor's studio, so... Yeah, you wrote... Uh, Folks out there, this is Poets and Writers, Henry McCarthy, and we're talking to an excellent writer and interesting personality, Shelley Fromm, today, and want to talk with him. He's written many, many books, but you mentioned you wrote the history of... The Actor Studio. The Actor Studio, in my Cause, gosh. Because it was a silly show on called Inside the Actor exactly, Studio. Exactly, and the guy and would it, ask questions. Right, and, and it should have been called Nowhere Near the Actor Studio. <laughs> Or the actor's studio meets the Wolfman because it had nothing to do with the actor's studio. It had people. He, he would put anybody on. He put Sylvester Stallone on. Right. And any anybody at all. Oh, what was her name? Roseanne. He put her on. Yeah. And 
I, and he also I, brought I, he brought some uh, interesting some yeah, great actors. Yeah, and, I, and back, I got I got really upset after. He'd have I, those cards and he'd sit there with the cards. Yeah, and, and, I, yeah. and I I got really upset. So, okay. I, I, so because I tried out for the actor studio, I got through the first audition and. James Lipton wouldn't have yeah. even been allowed in the door or anything. And, and there right. were two, I, I don't know, there must have been about 400 people who tried out that year, and they only picked two or three. And then I found out he's doing this deal at the new school of social research, and he's charging people thousands of dollars, and then he gives them a little certificate. But it was it's the school of the actor's studio, right. not the actor's studio. Right. So then so it's you, all a sham. So you went talk a little bit about your book. So you did the research on history of the real actors. Yeah, well, I did. I did my I did research at the actor's studio. Okay. Because I want you know I wanted to find out the real. I was, <laughs> I was what you would call a non-method method actor. There you go. And I was always. Dying to find out what the, what the so-called method was. Yeah, well, what is it on Poets and Writers? Folks around the valley here, down around Damascus and up in Marion would like to know, what is the method of acting? <laughs> oh, <laughs> there was a guy named Lee Strasberg. Right. From the, I through my research, but I already knew this anyway, but he, um, he had a thing for emotions, and he, he wanted it to be real. And he, he couldn't act himself, but he had a thing about being real. So he was part of something called the group theater, and every and it was sort of like the kitchen school <laughs> of acting, where everything had to be real. You had to yeah. feel it and really right, see it exactly. and really go And bring through. back memories from your childhood and so on, yeah, right? Yeah, and stuff like that, yeah. emotional memories. So, um, so he... He would, uh, if if you got in, nobody. This is a whole long story, but but no, but but nobody knows that you don't learn how to act at the actor studio. Yeah. You get chosen because they wanted to have a repertory company, right? So they had different people. So I I interviewed all these people. I was there and everything, and I I found I know I'm getting around to the question, and the method is Stra it's Strasberg's method. And the method is, you don't play the part, the part becomes you. Right. So you say, instead of saying, what if I were Hamlet, you say, I am Ham Hamlet. You know, it's me, I just have to make a couple of adjustments. So, good grief, I can't remember his name. Well, let me... Al Pacino, Al Pacino. Yeah, Al Pacino. Yeah, okay, so Al Pacino yeah, did something, Al Pacino did something called... Um, well, there was scent of a woman, you know, which he won the Academy. But this yeah, is way but he back. he was he wanted to do something about uh, King Richard or Richard and Richard. okay. So he so he did this documentary about Richard, and uh, you know he brought it all down to him. Okay, so yeah. I'm Richard the Third. Okay, yeah. you know, and uh, I got a thing about this woman, and I like to bump people off and all that. Right. So yeah. the review was. Instead of Richard the Third, the review of his documentary was was Richard of Third Avenue. <laughs> okay, you folks down at Barter Theater there, I hope you're hearing this from Shelley Fromm today. Actually, 
an outstanding uh, writer, actor, and uh, it's just a joy having him on the show. Al, Chupino, uh, Al Pacino, I saw him in a workshop one time, and he kept adjusting his hair, and I didn't know it was a wig, and I didn't know he was very temperamental about that. So I wanted to ask him if that was part of his act in the interview. He was trying to focus on something, and as we left, I didn't ask him, and I said to one of my friends, I wanted to ask him about his hair, and he said, my friend said, oh, my God, I'm glad you didn't. He said, he's real sensitive. That's a wig, and he was adjusting his wig. Now, did you uh, know Al Pacino wore a wig, Shelley Brown? No. Well, I just know that you know, whatever the part is, it, the part becomes him. Exactly. So he does not become the part. So if it's... Right. So if it's Richard III, it says, hey, hey, you got a problem with that? I'm Richard III. Yeah. Okay, I'm a, so, so everything becomes Al Pacino. So you uh, left uh, Greenwich Village, and so you went back and you wrote about uh, this uh, famous uh, studio and so on. But I want to talk with you now. Folks out there, Shelley is a mystery writer, too, and we got to get around to talking about oh, So he's writing, and we're over in Black Mountain. North Carolina, and we're going to ask him a little later how he got here to Black Mountain, but he is uh, actually an icon in Black Mountain, and he also <laughs> he also writes uh, human interest stories, you might say, for the Black Mountain news, newspaper. Black Mountain News, and you, re you read some of them. I did. I sent them to you. Yeah. Okay, and you meet interesting people. The only person that you haven't interviewed is me, Shelley, and I couldn't understand Yeah, but that. you weren't from Black Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Talk a little bit about your newspaper writing here. Well, I, I just love characters, that's all. And when I came here after my wife suddenly passed away and I had done interviews, profiles up in, in Connecticut, and I came here and I didn't know anybody, so I figured, well, I will just, as, as an extension to meet people, I will approach the Black Mountain News, which yeah, is the sure. paper there, yeah. and said, uh, what if I did the same thing here? And they said, great, you know, it's... Fine. And then I realized that I meet a different character every 20 feet here. Absolutely. And I, uh, I, I was at, they were starting up a writer's guild called the Author's Guild. <laughs> and this girl came up to me who was a hairdresser and she said, uh, pardon me, but were you a Sioux warrior in a former life? And I said, well, lady, you found me out. We had a great time with Custer, but we went all downhill after that. I mean, what are you supposed to say when somebody comes up to you and, and asks you that? Has anybody ever asked you that? Well, yeah, they've asked me many things. They've actually <laughs> made statements more. So I just realized there are just yeah. characters everywhere. And then I, so I do one a month, and I've done... They're very good. I think I've done 82. So what do you yeah. think of the ones I sent you? Well, I, I'm just recalling and reflecting, and, and there were a number of folks, how they got here and what they were involved in. Talk about uh, some of the ladies. There's. I'm just talk about one that you want to talk about here that comes to mind. You've done eighty, and and gosh, there's so many. Well, there, well, there was a a famous folk singer, story writer, maybe David Lamont, and exactly, he, and he lives here. And as as always, I like to find out what motivates him and how it all got started, and and. Uh, so I interviewed David, yeah, and, right. I, and I found out, which I never knew before, right. uh, that he was very shy, and he mm -hmm. uh, would write these things and just sing them to himself, but then someone came along, a couple of girls said, hey, could you sing that for us? And then he realized, good grief, you know, that mm -hmm. maybe I've got something to say, maybe I've got something to do. And right now he's an internationally famous singer or songwriter. 
Right. And so, did, so that fat and uh, that just fascinated me. That's all. And then you have a number of local people. There, he's too. local. Yes. That's why but, I'm. Those, but I mean, they're people all from local. Here. Yeah. And uh, also, there are a number of writers here in Black Mountain. Do I have this right? Where the crawdads sing? Is she here now? Or maybe I, I, I dreamed that so. one. You know, that's a very it's famous Patty book. Cornwall. Yeah. Is oh, yeah. Well, you know, Billy Graham and that tie to Billy Graham with her. Yeah. Yeah, and his wife. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But they're, but they're mainly singer-songwriters here. And, uh, yeah. and uh, <laughs> they're, hard, they're hardly... <laughs> There aren't too many writers here. I'm, I'm one of the, one of the yeah. few. One of them, uh, who, who shall go nameless. Okay. Uh, he kept telling me he's, he's the world's greatest Absolutely. writer. Absolutely. I know he, who you're talking about. Yeah, he's and, been on the show. And uh, his first name is David. Is that yeah. the same one? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. David's a character. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then I, I interviewed him because I, he's sort of a friend of mine. And, uh, great. And yeah. he kind of breaks me up. He said, uh, you know, I was in Paris once with all the great writers of the world, yeah. and not one of them came over to me and asked for advice. Can you believe that? Can you believe it? And I said, yeah, David, I can yeah. believe Well, you know, Stephen King, uh, David Madden, David Madden. Yes. Yeah. Stephen King did brag on him in his book about the theater in Knoxville. Stephen read that and says, he says in the Times he was inspired by David. But yeah, David is a, a little like me. He's much greater than me, but he's kind of a legend at time in his own mind. You know, he just. Yeah, yeah. well, because I, I, I just thought it was amazing because I've always taught to be humble. Yeah. And, and he walks around yeah. letting everyone know he's the greatest writer. Well, absolutely. Knows. You know, it's like Muhammad Ali. You keep saying it long enough, you <laughs> believe it yourself. And yeah. he's out of Knoxville, and he he's really an interesting personality and has really done a lot in this area since he came here. He's re retired from down uh, in New Orleans, I think. But anyway, we're talking with Shelley Fromm here on Poets and Writers Today, and I'm just enjoying rambling around. And as Lee Smith said, I said, uh, Lee, interrupt me if I talk too much. She said, don't worry, honey, I will. And she just, it was just two people talking and not listening to each other. So I'm listening to Shelley Fromm here today. We never got to my novels. Well, now we got to get to, he is a mystery writer and has written many mystery novels. So talk about your mystery writing and talk about your latest book, which got some awards. Yeah. You know, got a bunch of awards. It, it actually starts out here in Black Mountain. And is it okay to get personal? Sure, please. That's okay. So it's a matter of, of things clashing, uh, elements. They start banging up against each other, and then it starts to create some kind of tension, and that's how I know I've got a story. So there was something I've never been able to deal with because I didn't know who my father was and my mother was never around. She was always out hawking property or something. And then my wife, who I met in summer stock, we've been together for 50 years. She suddenly passed away in the middle of the night right before Christmas. So I, I don't want to go through how I got right. here, but anyway, yeah. I got here and I kept thinking about sort of being an orphan and not knowing who my father was and being under some kind of spell because some man, when I was three years old, came over to me when I never saw again and said, uh, you got to take your father's place. And how are you supposed to take your father's place who you don't remember ever meeting when you're three years old? So this is sort of haunting me. And he was a 
I was told he was a cattleman. He broke wild horses. That's okay. all. So I had to imagine right. who he was. And then my wife, you following this? Right. I'm trying to put these elements together. And then, then I came here because I, I, I just couldn't stay back up in right. Connecticut anymore. Yeah. So I was looking for a refuge. And I remember, uh, I just remember being a drama counselor in Hendersonville. Absolutely. So, but I had this feeling about hiding away. I'm hiding from okay. something. And I don't want to talk about myself. I don't want to write about myself because I'm just a trash wallow. I mean, who okay. wants to do that? <laughs> okay. Who wants to do that? Most of us love that. But anyway. Yeah, I, I know, yeah. but, but then I created this whole other world. Okay, so, so you so got I, into mystery writing. So it's called Shadow of the Gypsy. So I, so I changed all the circumstances and everything, but basically it's somebody hiding away who feels like he's an orphan and something awful happened when he was a little kid. Okay. So he, so Faulkner says the past is never past, right? Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was sort of the theme that you can't hide from it, even though what he saw was, was terrible and, and, and everything, and he, he right. can't hide in the, in the Black Mountains and all that stuff. So he, somehow or other, the past infringes on him and it's this gypsy. From, and the title and, of your latest mystery book yeah, again is called is, Shadow of the Gypsy. Okay, and it's published. Who's it published? It's by? Uh, BQB, the Boutique of Quality Books. Okay. So that's. So it's on Amazon then. So it's on Amazon and okay. everything. Good deal. So, and it's gotten awards. It just got. <laughs> I hope this is an award. It got. Yeah. Runner up, first runner up in the Paris Book Festival. Okay. So it's got a bunch of other awards. So that that's out there, and then, and it's like everything else. It always somehow starts with something real, and then it just takes off, and it goes into something. And else. you've written a number of mystery books. Yeah, now. right. Uh, mention some of the other ones as we move along here on poets okay. and writers There's today. Okay. Uh, Miranda and the D-Day Caper, and that takes place totally around North Carolina uh -huh. in Asheville. Yeah. and everything, and then there's, uh, <laughs> I've written so many. many I right, right. I, but, to, but you know, so you're into mystery writing, and, and so you... Yeah, because mystery writing, something yeah. happens, because I was in yeah. the theater, and, the, and in the theater, something's going on. It, 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 Hamlet doesn't just hang around talking to himself. <laughs> well, what, let, let's shift back to acting acting for just a moment. What were some of your favorite, do you remember a favorite role you had as an actor? And I know you were a great teacher, you're a tenured professor, emeritus from University of Connecticut in drama, but what about your favorite acting role? I love playing uh, Jimmy off Broadway in, in The Rainmaker. Do you remember The Rainmaker? Absolutely. Jimmy, I, I, yeah. I remember that, and because uh, I... I I got to be a character juvenile. I got to do. Talk a little bit about Jimmy very quickly. I remember that movie. They made a movie. Yeah, out of it. and Burt Lang Lancaster yeah. played Starbuck. And, and uh, who was Jimmy? And and Jimmy is the little brother of the lead, Lizzie. Who it's all about being playing. All this ties together because I interviewed the guy who wrote it, <laughs> who wrote the remaker, okay. and that's in my actor's studio book. But any mm -hmm. anyway. Um, Anyway, Jimmy is the only one that believes the con man, the rainmaker, who said, because it's a drought out west. And he comes along and he, 
He makes things up. He makes things up that he can bring rain, that he can make Lizzie, who is a spinster, into somebody desirable. And nobody believes him except Jimmy. Jimmy Jimmy is taken with all this. And he kept saying, golly, golly, can you really bring rain? So there was something marvelous about this part. At least I thought so, mm, yeah. anyway. Yeah, and and uh, without... Yeah, where Jim, did you do that? Where did you perform that? Off-Broadway. Off-Broadway, in New York. In New York. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so... Yeah. So I just love parts where I get transported into somebody else, totally somebody else. I was in, uh, I was in a play called Love. Do you remember that with Alan Arkin? Oh uh, yes, yes, Alan Arkin. My goodness, yeah. you were in a with him. That's, and uh, that's some real yeah, that, that was fun too because I got to do uh, a New York accent. <laughs> Absolutely. And so then you got into college teaching, and you were a professor for many years working with young people and open to ideas and so how long were you a college professor 35 oh years. my goodness yeah and i want to as we move along here on poets are we moving along yeah poets and writers <laughs> you, i'm by you got sure a great, we're moving along shell uh, <laughs> shelly i'll tell you ivy shepherd is a great producer and i'll tell you what she'll be watching this and listening to it and she's just great with it and she was excited i told her i was interviewing you today now i want to talk uh, you got to black mountain and you mentioned how you came here and your wife passed away and so on but talk a little bit about your dog. Now, this relates to how you got to Back Mountain, and I thought you have two sons, right? Yeah, I have two sons, and the oldest one, when my wife suddenly passed away in the middle of the night right before Christmas, my uh, older son, who I get, I guess he's the principal of the uh, charter school up in Amherst, which is right near Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, all of a sudden he calls me up and he said, Dad, you need something to be with. You can't just be by yourself. Yeah. And before I knew it, he comes down from Lake Ontario yeah. with this little tiny golden doodle puppy. <laughs> and uh, there it is in my kitchen. And he said, Dad, here's your, <laughs> here's your new companion or something. I, I, I gave him a name. Baxter, then my son just takes off and he's gone, and I'm left with this little tiny eight eight week old puppy named Baxter. Baxter. Okay. Baxter. B-A-X-T-E-R. Yeah, I, he greeted me here today. I know, and yeah. he just loves everybody. Yeah, and he's uh, a he, golden doodle. Golden doodle. And Patty's in there in the kitchen, I guess, playing, or he's still outside, but he's, he's quite a personality. Well, Shelly Fromm, that's, uh, you've had an interesting life, and you're about uh, 57 years old, is that right? <laughs> Uh, a bunch of years ago, yeah. I remember I had a great 57th birthday. There you go. I, I think, uh, if you don't mind my saying, you're, uh, how old are you, Shelley? Uh, no, you don't want to know. Well, okay, but it's on up there, you know, and definitely. It's on up there, but I'm, I'm still getting around. Well, I know, and you're an inspiration. I say that for our listeners out there who retire and want to do some things in life. Oh, I'm telling you, Shelley Fromm landed here in Black Mountain, North Carolina, and they love him around here. And Shelley, thank you for being on the show today. Well, thanks for having me. I hope you can edit and find something good <laughs> out of all this. I hope something came out of all it. All right. Thank you. And this is Henry McCarthy saying, do not wait up for me. Do not be afraid to stay or still away. I'm going out to write a poem and watch the children play. Thanks for listening. How much is that dog in the window? The one with the waggly tail How much is that dog in the window? 
I do hope that doggie is for sale I must take a trip to California And leave my poor sweetheart alone If he has a dog, he won't be lonesome And the doggie will have a good home How much is that doggie in the window? <laughs> the one with the waggly tail How much is that doggie in the window? <laughs> I do hope that doggie is for sale I read in the papers there are robbers oh, oh! With flashlights that shine in the dark My love needs a doggie to protect him And scare them away with one bar I don't want a bunny or a kitty I don't want a parrot that talks I don't a bowl of little fishies He can't take a goldfish for a walk How much is that doggy in the window? <laughs> the one with the waggly tail How much is that doggy in the window? <laughs> I do hope that doggy is for sale.